Hello, my seminary family. I love you. I love you all. There's a saying that goes, may you not live in an interesting time. Well, we're living in a very interesting time. I can't wait to go back to the boring times. <laughs> when coming to the seminary was work. When getting up in the morning was half the work. But you know, we're in it. We're in a very, very difficult time for many people. I have a picture up here. It was in the New York Times uh, a couple of days ago. 20 mothers, you might have seen this, 20 mothers in Boston just couldn't take it anymore. 20 mothers walked out onto a football field, stood at the 50-yard line, and they screamed this just the primal, raw, lion-like roar. You can go on the internet and actually hear it. It's just scream, and scream, and scream. And then they say it felt so good, you know? Juggling family, kids, finances, jobs, remote work, remote, remote everything. And then there is this, you know, I don't know whether you've been to the supermarket lately, but you know, I'm just getting used to something that I used to see pictures of. I'm sorry for those of you from Russia, but you know, old Soviet Union, you know, where we used to see shelves that were empty. You know, we used to take it for granted that you could go and buy something. And they had, they had overstocked everything. So you had choices, you know, between the different things. Not anymore. Only one per customer. Subject availability. And um, I often go just to buy something just to come home without it. And um, um, the latest, you remember, um, the tests, masks, toilet paper, the stuff that we kind of expect to be there. They were all gone. It's our hard times. We've lost loved ones. I lost my love. My, my, one of my favorite cousins' husband died of COVID not long ago and um, last year, and um, the family was devastated. Was in the hospital for 40 days, fighting COVID, 40 days. Family praying, the church praying, and um, he died. Leaving the family with a bill of $1.6 million. $1.6 million. Well, this summer, last summer, I had, had an accident, I had surgery, and I understand that bill, you know. Um, I was in the hospital for just three days, and each day cost me $30,000. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, wouldn't government pay off, you know, the bills? And she said, no, you have to first sell your house, you have to sell everything you have, pay off everything, and then if you run out of money, then government will step in and pay. Well, that's exactly what happened. 
Maybe you know many people who are suffering. But my family, my seminary family, I'm here to tell you by the power of the word that we read this morning, that's what greatness feels like. All right? If you ever wondered what greatness feels like, you are living through it right now. This is it. This is it. And how does it feel? It feels terrible. Terrifying. That's what greatness feels like. <laughs> so we want to go to this text uh, that we read this morning. Therefore, I'm content with weakness, insult, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I'm strong. Uh, we want to take a look at this for the limited time that we have. Uh, I have approximately 20 minutes, so I'm going to take all of it, I think, <laughs> uh, as most professors do. Um, no time for questions, sorry. Um, the first part, I want to look at this phrase, I'm content with weakness. That's a powerful statement. I want to look at that. Second, I want to look at this statement. Whenever I am weak, then I'm strong. And third... For the sake of Christ. These three powerful verses, uh, statements, phrases, if you want to call them. The word of God. So, here's your, your Greek test. Uh, for those of you who, who may wonder why you take Greek, well, here's the reason. <laughs> you get to recognize some of these words. All right, so, I am content I just imagine it. I am content with weakness. I mean, he doesn't say, well, I'm frustrated, but God is with me. He's not saying that. He's not saying, I am, I am really struggling, folks, so please behave, because I'm, I'm really having a hard time. You understand? my Corinthian believers. He's not saying that. He's saying, eudokeo. And eudokeo means, according to Pidag, you know that this is the authoritative dictionary in Greek, so you know. Eudokeo means to take pleasure. Can you imagine? I take pleasure in weakness, in hardships, insults, to find satisfaction in something. Be well pleased. Take delight. These are powerful statements. So essentially what Paul is saying is that I'm happy. I'm happy my life is messed up. That's what he's saying. Because if you're having constant experiences of hardships, weakness, persecutions, insults, calamities, there's something wrong with your life, okay? And you need counseling, okay? <laughs> you need something because there's something really going wrong with your life. And something is especially wrong if you're saying, I am content with my weakness. That's a powerful statement, okay? I am content. Well, 
this is a very difficult process. I'm going to spend a little bit of time exegeting this passage because, you know, you say, what's going on? I mean, is, is Paul a masochist? I mean, to find pleasure in pain and suffering, is this what all this is about? Well, no. Paul is explaining one of the paradoxes of Christianity. That bad times are good times. That's Christianity. All right? And Paul gets this from Jesus, from his understanding of the cross. All right? There's something similar to this, by the way, in Chinese. Okay, I'm sure you, you know this, okay? My Chinese friends, I, 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 <laughs> I wrote this in two different scripts for those from mainland China and from those from Taiwan and Hong Kong and from Korea. Uh, there are two different scripts. Um, I learned this, uh, this is an Asian mentality. Uh, in Korean, it is pronounced as Chona Weibo. But my Chinese friends tell me this is not the way to pronounce it. That's fine. Um, so I'm gonna give it a try in Chinese, and I don't want you to laugh at me, okay? You Chinese friends of mine, just have mercy on me. It's a Zhuang Huo Wei Fu. It's kind of what this is saying. Basically, good times and bad times coexist like yin and yang, and they alternate. That's what it means, okay? So in Asia, there is the sense that if there's a good times, then there will be a bad time because they kind of like uh, are one unit and they just kind of go around and round and round in a cyclical fashion. So there is this sense that if you just wait around, a good time will come about and, and you will be just fine. And, and this is a, a, a very important Asian mindset. And I want to say there's a lot of truth to this, okay? This is based on observation, so there's a lot of truth to this. So, you know, for example, if, you, if, if a woman gets into an accident who's having financial troubles, then that's a bad time, right? Well, it so happens, you know, the court in the end awards her damages of, let's say, $100,000, and then, whoa, that's a really good time, right? So, you know, it's a basically good times and bad times alternate, and that, there's a lot of, I would say, truth to that, okay? And in fact, in the Bible, we have something similar. And, and I believe in, in, in Exodus chapter nine, I, um, I think 11 or seven, I'm not completely sure. But it says uh, that the race is not to the strong and bread is not to the wise, but time and chance occurs to them all. So there is this sense of time and chance. There's a time, if you read through the book of uh, Ruth, there is, there's a sense that something terrible happens to Naomi where her, children, her sons die, but you know, Ruth basically you know, hangs on and, and, and good times come again and there's a chance meeting between Boaz and, and, and Ruth and then finally David is born and that's one, you know, you have the sense of alternation. So I wouldn't say this is all wrong, but this is not what Paul is saying. And this is not what Paul is saying. He's saying that this is very important. Whenever he is in, so what he's saying is that 
The good times and the bad times are not simply alternating, and Paul is not going to deny that. There, 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 there's so much truth to that. But what he's putting the, the focus on is the fact that the bad times that we wish that would go away are in and of themselves good. That's what he's saying. So he's saying, whenever I am weak, and the word is hotan, all right? Hotan, and here's another bidag, okay? It's authority. With the present subjunctive, in case you've forgotten what subjunctive is, don't worry about it. When the <laughs> action of the subordinate clause is contemporaneous, if that's all gibberish, that's okay too. Because you've already passed the Greek placement exam. All right? <laughs> With that of the main clause, I want to say that, that 2 Corinthians 12.10 fits this description. And if you don't understand this gibberish, take my word for it. Okay? All right? So if that happens, it means usually of regularly repeated action regularly repeated action whenever, as often as, every time that. So what Paul is saying is not, when I am weak, then I'm strong. He's saying, every time that I am weak, at that very moment, during that, in that time frame, I am strong. Okay? He's not saying, after I'm weak, I will emerge strong. Well, he doesn't deny that. Of course, that's true too. But it's in that moment whenever I am weak. Every time that I am weak, I'm strong. So I don't know what you're going through. Maybe the pandemic's not everything. I mean, your finances, um, health. There's a lot of issues with health outside of COVID. A lot of people are dying. And that's the moment. Every time we have that, I'm strong. So, again, where does Paul get this from? He gets it from the cross. He gets it from the, from the cross. And I've already explained that. So, take a look at Jesus who started this whole new way of thinking about suffering. In Mark 8.10, he explains this, and he tries to get this concept into the minds of his disciples, and they can't understand it. He tries to say this three times, and they just don't get it, because this is so counterintuitive. So he began to teach them, this is Mark 8, 3, 31, that the Son of Man must suffer. Just can you imagine that? It's not if the Son of Man suffers. He says the Son of Man must, must suffer. All right, so I have that in Greek. So here it is. They pathen. Okay, have it in, in red. You can, you can see this, right? I must suffer. Ton huion ton anthropu pola patin. The son of man 
must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders of, and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, he will rise again. Well, he's more specific in John. Now, if you take a look at this, he's about to be crucified. And in John 17, 1, Jesus says, he looked up into heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Let me tell you that this hour of glory is the time of crucifixion. He's not saying, after I am raised in three days, then comes the hour of glory. He's saying, when I die, that is the time of glory. So in, in John 12, 32, the same thing, more, more, more graphic this time. And when I'm lifted up on a cross from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Not when I'm raised up, not when I'm ascended to heaven at the right hand of God, but when I am lifted up. When I'm lifted up on a cross. In that moment, in that time frame. So if you're feeling terrible, I have news for you. This is the hour of glory. This is the hour of glory. All right? And if you're not having that recognition, that means you're not a disciple of Christ. Because he says, my hour of glory is coming. And that's when I'm lifted up. So, you know what Paul is doing is just simply taking that concept. He's stating it again here. He says, we proclaim Christ crucified. Not Christ raised. Not Christ glorified. Not Christ ascended. But Christ crucified. A stumbling block. Scandal. That's what scandalon, right? To Jews and the foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks. Notice this. The cross, Christ crucified, is the power of God. He's not saying that the power of God, power of God comes after the cross or when you believe this or that. He's saying Christ crucified is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, you know what Paul is doing here is giving us a sort of a framework to understand the Old Testament. I just want to take a very brief moment to just tell you, if you look at the Old Testament with these eyes, you notice that, that the stories that take up most pages are all stories of suffering. You know, you compare, for example, what the, the happy life, that powerful life that Abraham lived with Isaac versus all the days that he was waiting for Isaac. I tell you, there's like a two, two verses about what he did with Isaac after he was born. There are like seven chapters, all right? You, you, you think about what happened to Joseph in Egypt 
after he was sold, with the story of Potiphar and all that, many, many pages, what he did after he became the prime minister of Egypt, just hardly a line. We don't even know what he did. Maybe he went to work late. I don't know. Maybe he took naps. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell me, but I know what he did when he was in the dungeon, right? He cried. He cried. These are long chapters and stories because they are the hour of glory. Because that's when God acts. That's when you see God. That's when you have faith. You can only have faith during this time, like no other time. You cannot pray in any other time like right now. You cannot have faith that God is in charge, like right now. So, I come to uh, this final phrase. For the sake of Christ. Not everybody who goes through a bad time has, a, has an outstanding outcome. In fact, even Christians who pray often come out worse than better. It is only when you suffer for the sake of Christ that these awful times become good times. For the sake of Christ. So I want to just say there are three things you got to remember. Love, faith, and hope. And, and love is the greatest. But I want to just, just point out all that comes together in this really, really powerful statement. I, I think these times are great because only during this time you can have faith like no other time. So I want to just end with this really powerful statement from Ellen White. It is the work of faith. This is an Acts of Apostles, talking about Paul's theology. It's the work, it is the work of faith to rest in God in the darkest hour. Remember this language, in the darkest hour. To feel however solely tried and tempest-tossed. Now that, that goes back to feel, right? To feel that. Remember, you, you, these are terrible times. You feel terrible. But you, you feel that our Father is at the helm. I like this part. Because, you know, you, you look at this world and what is going on in people's lives. You feel like God has lost control. What are you doing? Right? Even Jesus cried on the cross, my God. My God, why have you forsaken me? It, it always appears that God has lost control. But notice here that our Father is at the helm. The eye of faith alone can look beyond things of time to estimate aright the worth of the eternal riches. I just want to add this one phrase to this beautiful statement. It is during such terrible times that the eye of faith alone can look. Beyond the things. Yeah, great times are coming. But it is during this time you can have an eye to see. So I want to just challenge you today. 
pray, my friends, do you see the Father at the helm? Do you see the Father at the helm? Of course, you, you may not. But remember this, in the darkest hour, storm-tossed, when you feel terrible, when you feel like screaming in the middle of a field, if you walk this path for the sake of Christ, you're in a great time. That's the hour of glory for you. Thank you very much. God bless you. Let us rise to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you very much that you are at the helm. You are in control. And you know where we are going. We do not walk by, by sight. But we walk by faith. Give all of us faith. Please be with these students and the families they represent. Be with the faculty and the families they represent. And all the struggles that, that we are all going through. Bless us as you've promised. And come close to us and reveal yourself to us and give us your love. Pour it into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we may have faith, hope, and love. In the name of Jesus, amen.